to brothers of the word because brother, you need the word. And today I just want to tell you that it's not too late. There is a chance. And I want to just tell you about some miracles and a miraculous thing. And I saw this sitting here on one sermon service listening to my brother see Elijah and he was preaching a a sermon called do a new thing and as he read the scripture there was a portion of the scripture that just leaped out and just struck me in the spirit and I I saw the miraculous and I knew that so many of us needed this thing in our lives and as I I looked at it, and there are some things in Scripture that sometimes we glance over, and, and as we read a Scripture over and over and over, it comes alive, and it takes on new meaning. And as I saw this, and you should even listen to Do a New Thing. It's sermon number 7313 on it'll It'll change some things in your world. But as he read this Scripture, something jumped out at me. And it's Isaiah 43, verses 18 and 19, King James Version. And this is the way it reads. Remember ye not the former things, neither consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I just want to talk to you today for a few minutes from the subject of rivers in the desert. And and when I saw that, God says, I'll even make a way in the wilderness and I will make rivers in the desert. And I don't know how many of you have ever actually been in a literal desert. I have. And the desert is a dry place. It is a dry place. It is an extremely harsh environment, and very little can live in the desert. When you stand in the desert, all you see is sand and, and sometimes some cacti or, or sagebrush blowing in the wind and, and all of this hot sand just all around you and no water. It's a dry place. It's, it's a barren place. It is a place of temperature extremes. In the daytime, the sun bows and beats down on you where temperatures hit 120, 130, and sometimes 140 degrees in the desert. And because there is no moisture in the air, the air does not hold the heat. So when the sun goes down, the temperature plummets, and it becomes a place of intolerable scorching heat in the day and nearly freezing at night. And it's so inhospitable to all types of life, the desert. And yet some of you listening to me right now, whether you are here in this sanctuary or whether you are listening to me electronically, you're in a desert. You're in a dry place. You're in a place where it's uncomfortable, where you can't get enough food. And when you look around, you all seems barren. And there's one thing about a desert is it goes on as far as the eye can see. There's virtually no such thing as a little desert. There are big places. And when you're in the middle of a desert, every direction that you turn, you can only see barren, lifeless sand. And some of you right now, this registers in your spirit that you're in a dry place. 
Sometimes you can be in a relationship and when all the love is gone, it's just dry. It's just dry. You grumble and grouch and frown at each other and fuss and cuss all day long. And, and, and it's just dry. And it looks like it's been dry so long you can't even remember when it was juicy. All you can see and all you can think about is the barrenness that exists all around you. Some of your circumstances right now just in life, trouble on every side. And, and you're wondering, Lord, where are you? And Lord, when are you going to get me out of this mess? How many of you all have ever wondered that question? Lord, where are you? And Lord, when are you going to get me out of this mess? See, if you, if you just even phonetically look at the word desert, it is spelled identically to the word desert. And you're saying to myself, Lord, you've deserted me. I'm all alone. Where are you? I'm, I'm out here in the middle of this place. And I don't know what to do. And you see, people, once you get in the middle of a desert long enough and, and your throat becomes parched and your tissues become dehydrated and the sun continually beats on it and you can't see any water, and sometimes those who can really survive, they can go in and cut a cactus and, and, and from the cactus drain some water. But the problem is, trying to get water out of a cactus, if you've ever seen a cacti, all oh, it's, it's nothing but Sprickly, prickly, sticky spines and thorns that come out. So you have to try to get your water out of a hard thing. And every time you go to get some water, you get stuck and pricked, and it's painful. Some of you all are going to work right now trying to get your daily substance, and you get stuck every day. Painful, a prickly situation, and you're wondering, Lord, when? Are you going to get me out of this thing? And you see, people, if you remain in the desert long enough, where the sun beats down on you long enough, the questions, they will turn from when are you going to get me out to if you're going to get me out. And if you stay in a thing long enough, you go to wondering, Lord, will it ever change? Will I ever get out of this? Will they ever do right? Will they ever straighten up? Lord, will I ever? It doesn't even, it doesn't even become a matter of when. You begin to sometimes wonder. See, you, then you, you look up and you see some buzzards circling. <laughs> You're in the desert long enough. You, you get weak. And you look up and it will appear that you will see buzzards circling just waiting on you to collapse. And you know when you collapse. I, I mean, I, I, I deal with prayer requests every day where people have gotten to the point where buzzards are circling overhead. And they'll say, Lord, I, I just don't know what else to do. I'm, I'm ready to give up. You'll be surprised how many people who write in for prayer who said the only way that they can see out is death. You'll be surprised how many people have gotten to the point of being in the desert for so long that the only exit that they can see out of the place is death. Rivers in the desert. That's a tall promise. 
God did not say, I will give you a drink of water in the desert. He didn't even say, I will make it rain for a period of time. See, sometimes people, we get to the point when you have been in the desert long enough, all you want is just a drink. You know, that's all you want. Your, your, your lips, you all ever had your lips become so dry that they, they start cracking? And then when they crack, if you open, you can't laugh because if you, you know what I'm talking about? When your lips get really dry and they crack, and you can't even laugh because if you, if you open your mouth too wide, it pulls on the crack and it hurts. And, and the more you open your mouth and the more you laugh, the more it pulls the crack in your lip because your lips are dried out. And we try to put lotion and chapstick and all that kind of stuff on the lips. And all it does is grease up the cracks. <laughs> so we get to a point where all we want is just a drink of water to just soothe our parched lips. Have you all ever been in the desert? And yet, here God is saying, I'll make a way in the wilderness and I will, I will send rivers in the desert. That's a tall promise. And you see, people, when we are in desperate situations, we do desperate things, we think desperate thoughts, and we'll give up on God. And not realize the power that God has to send rivers in the desert. You see, God made the desert and he made the rivers. And he can direct the course of the river wherever he chooses. And oftentimes the only difference between the desert and an oasis is that God has redirected the water. We've traveled to a lot of different countries and one of the deserts that perhaps is well known is the Sahara Desert. And, but another desert that is also well known that people don't consider as a desert is Egypt. If you've ever been there, it's a dry place. Sand everywhere. The pyramids sit in the middle of a, of a desert. But Egypt became the power center of the world in ancient times, the cultural center of the world, not because... It was a desert, but because it had a river flowing through it. And the Nile River would flow through Egypt, and every year the Nile River would flood its banks. And, and when it flooded its banks, it, it brought water, and it brought the silt of the soil, and it made everything fertile and everything green and everything grow. And, and around the Nile, it turned a desert into a paradise. Many of your lives are just like that. Right now, all you can see is the desert and the heat, the sun, the freezing cold at night, and the barrenness. And it appears that you are all alone. How many of you all have been to Las Vegas? Good number of people here have been to Vegas. Do you know Vegas is a desert? It's an absolute desert. When, when you fly in on the plane, you can see it very clear. There in the midst, all this sand, all this barrenness, and there in the middle of it, this big city. And the only thing that changed it from being a desert into one of the richest cities on earth is the redirection of water. And when they redirected the water, coupled with the vision, now Vegas is not a moral city. That it is not. It's got some of the worst stuff in the world in Vegas. It's not a moral city, but I don't pass judgment on Vegas because Atlanta is not a moral city either. We got some of the same stuff here 
that they do in Vegas. As a matter of fact, even in the small country towns. Now, they've got some of the same stuff in the small country towns. See, we don't have all of the casinos and we don't have all of the roulette wheels, but you got some stuff here in Atlanta. You can get in just as much as in, as in Vegas. <laughs> so it's not a matter of even the place, but when you understand how the redirection of water can change desert into something that's flourishing. Palm Springs is a place that I've gone to. It's a desert. And if you've ever traveled over Palm Springs, you'll see a lot of hydroelectric windmills that are there that spin and generate power because the wind constantly sweeps across the desert plain, blows all the time. Hot is fire, but it's an extremely rich city. Because they drill down deep, and even though the surface is desert, underneath is a pile of water. So they drilled down deep and brought the water up and changed what was a desert into a flourishing city. Rivers in the desert. So how do you change life when you are going through the middle of a desert period? When the first invasion in the Mideast by the U.S., it was called Desert Storm. And some of you right now, that's exactly what you are going through, is you are going through a desert storm. How do you change that? Do, do you know even, even the children of Israel, the wilderness, in many of the translation in the Bible, it, it's interchangeable with the word desert. Do you know the name of the desert where they were? It's called the Desert of Sin. That's the biblical name for where the children of it, they were in the wilderness of sin or the desert of sin, depending upon which translation that you read. And God can send rivers in the desert, but this is another reality that you must face and you have to understand. Most people who get stuck in the desert and who get stuck in the wilderness die there. Most do. And I'm not going to sit up here and preach a sermon and say, everybody's in the desert going to get out. Everybody's going to be flourishing. The rivers of prosperity and the rivers of life are just going to flow through. Everybody is not. It didn't do it then. It's not going to do it now. I'm just going to be real about it. It's not. But it can flow and it will flow to a chosen select few. And what you have to decide is, for those of you right now who are going through that desert trial and through that desert period, what you have to decide is, am I going to be like the children of Israel who died in the wilderness? Or am I going to be like Joshua and Caleb and his followers who made it into the promised land? See, the first, the first key of getting out of the desert is to make up your mind that I'm going to get out of this desert. Some animals, if you ever go in the desert, what they have done, they have adapted to the desert. When we went to Egypt, the Bedouins still live in the desert. Even though the city is there, it's their chosen way of life. And I don't pass judgment on their life, but they choose to live in the desert. They could very easily come to the Nile where all the water is, but they've been in the desert so long that desert is now home to them. And that's what can happen to so many of us. We, we can sometimes live in a desert for so long. That's all we know. And we have learned how to survive quite well in the desert. We just left a week in Costa Rica. And, and the difference between those in the desert 
And those in a tropical land is night and day. First of all, you can look at the skin. It shows even on the outside. When we were there in Egypt, the Bedouins, all of their skin is wrinkled. Because if you're out there in the desert, and all that heat, and all that sun running short of water, it wrinkles your skin. You look like you've been in the desert. You go to the tropical places, not so much as a pimple or a wrinkle on the skin. And you wonder, the difference is in the climate. And you have to make a choice whether you're going to live in the wilderness or the promised land. And see, when God sends a river in the desert, it transforms it into what happened with Egypt. It now becomes flourishing and it becomes prosperous because now water has come through it. But, but Pastor, how do you, if I make the choice and I say to myself, I want to get out of this desert, then how do I do it? What do I do? What happens? How do I get out of this desert? 80% of it is making the choice. Whether, whether you believe it or not, 80% of it is truly in your heart and in your soul making the choice. And to say, I'm not going to deal with this anymore. I'm not going to tolerate this. I'm going to change my life. I really mean, 80, and people trust me, 80% is in the decision itself. I, I know I deal with people all, I have offered people opportunities to get out of their circumstance. I said, look, I'm going to help you do this. I'll help you do this. I'll help you get out. I said, but this is what you're going to have to do now. I, I will ha- I'll pay your tuition to go to school. Well, Pastor, I tell you. <laughs> That's a good offer. That's real nice of you, but I tell you. And see, it's the I'll tell you. And what I can hear in the I'll tell you is, I really don't want to get out of this desert. I'm comfortable. I have learned how to survive on a little bit of water. I'm just going to stay here, wrinkle up, and die. Eighty percent of getting out of the desert is really making the decision to get out of the desert. A lot of that is contained in the sermon that I preach called A Long Way Home. It's, it's about the prodigal son. And he was there in a foreign land, woke up in a pig pen, and he came to himself, got up and said, I'm going back. And he had a long way to go barefooted across the desert. I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but I am saying 80% of the problem is making the decision, not the desire, the decision. They're different. See, everybody wanted to be in the promised land. All of the children in the wilderness wanted to be in the promised land. What they did not have was the decision to make the decision to say, I'm going to do what is necessary to get myself out of this mess over in the promised land. Eighty percent of the problem is in just making the decision in you. I'm not just talking about just saying it when you're halfway believe, but to really say it to yourself where you shake it when you say it. Where you have conviction, where you believe it, and where you say, I am getting out of this situation. Eighty percent is going to be in the decision that you make. To get out. So what, what does God say about the desert and the rivers in the desert? Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall ye not know it? I will even make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beasts of the field shall honor me, the dragons and the isles, because I give waters in the wilderness and rivers in the desert to give drink to my people, my chosen. This people have I formed for myself They shall show forth my praise. Now, this is what God says in that first set of verses. Now, starting at verse 22 in that 43rd chapter of Isaiah. 
But thou hast not called upon me, O Jacob, but thou hast been weary of me, O Israel. Basically what he said, y'all haven't called my name, y'all tired of me. Do you know sometimes folk get tired of God? Sometimes people get tired of doing right. And sometimes we fail to call on God. Thou hast not brought me the small cattle of thy burnt offerings. Neither hast thou honored me with thy sacrifices. I have not caused thee to serve with an offering, nor wearied thee with incense. Thou hast bought me no sweet cane with money. Neither hast thou filled me with the fat of thy sacrifices. But thou hast made me to serve with all thy sins. Thou hast wearied me with thine iniquities. I, even I, I am he that blotted out thy transgressions for my own sake and will not remember thy sins. Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together, declare thou, that thou mayest be justified. God told the people, he said, look, he said, you haven't brought me any sacrifices. I'm burdened down with all your sins. He said, but I blot out all your transgressions. And God was just trying to get the folk as now as then to just do right. See, there's a reason why it was called the wilderness of sin. 80% is making up your mind. 20% of it is just doing what you've made up your mind to do and to do the right thing. Turn to the person next, tell them to do the right thing. Now, that is not as easy as it sounds. It really isn't. Because I'll tell you people, I have a hard time doing the right thing. How many of you all have a hard time doing the right thing? See, and, and it's really... It's really a hard time to do the right thing all of the time. Now, see, some of us can do the right thing some of the time, and then some of us can do some of the right things all of the time. But the hard part is to do all of the right thing all of the time. That's a hard thing to do. It just is. But I am here to tell you God has rivers that he can send into your day. And see, a river, it's not a stream. It's not a creek. It's not a glass of water. It's not a pitcher. It's not even a bathtub. It's a river. And he has rivers of water that he can send into, which is beyond even what we can imagine. The stuff that was in the promised land, it was beyond what the people could imagine. But they just wanted to go back to Egypt. And they wanted to murmur. And they didn't want to do right. People, we've got to do right. And we've got to come out of the wilderness of sin. So many of us are trapped in the desert. And God wants to send in rivers rivers in the desert. You need to listen to that sermon see Elijah preached about just do a new thing. Because if you've been in the desert a long time, you've got to do a new thing to get out of the desert. And I'll tell you, Jesus said, for those who believe on me, he said rivers of living water would pour out of their belly. People, for so many people, the river is you. And for so many people's desert situation, the river of living water will pour out of you. You carrying it around with you. But how can you ever pour it out if you don't believe? And when you believe the fruits of the belief, it will show. For those of you who need to hear this message again, simply go to airjesus.com. This is message number 5324, Rivers in the Desert. If you need to send it to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and send the message number 5324. We thank you for joining us today at Brothers of the Word, because, brother, you need the Word. Amen, amen. I'm going to ask the Elijah to come and close us out since he preached the sermon that that verse came from. And, and I hope you become baptized 
because baptism occurs in water. Birth occurs in water. Even conception occurs in water. Gestation occurs in water. If you believe, rivers, rivers of living water will pour forth from your belly into the desert that's all around us. And people, we don't have to go to the Sahara to experience the desert. All you got to do is walk out that door and you'll walk into the desert and you'll walk into the wilderness of sin. But rivers, rivers, I'll send rivers in the desert. When you really understand, you'll understand that God will send the river through you. He'll send the river through you. And you will become the vehicle and the vessel that God will use to pour out into the heart and to the lives of the people. But you can't pour out until you first fill up. God, what a powerful message. Rivers in the desert. And God simply reminds us that no matter what you're going through, no matter how bleak it looks, those are the circumstances that actually God works best in. Because when God moves in a desert situation and causes rivers to flow, no man can take credit for that. It had to be God. And so God loves opportunities. He loves these setups where only God can do it. And so no matter what you're in in life or going through or facing, you may be in a desert, but praise God, that's the perfect setup for God to move and do something miraculous in your life. Praise God. This ends message number 5324 by Nathaniel Bronner. To hear other messages or to send this message number 5324 to a friend, simply go to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com. This has been message number 5324. Listen to airjesus.com and theonlineword.com often and keep your spirit charged up.